in 100 years. Bless it, house, dear, if you think we'll be insightful, clever, or just when we search. We're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one car. It is uh, Tuesday, April 26th, wherever the fuck I am. I don't know where you are or what time it is. I don't even know why we went with this in the first place. (laughs) I think it was just because it didn't seem too out of date. Uh, Welcome to our AFL podcast, Two Guys, One Cup. My name is Will Anderson. And I'm Charlie Clawson. And thanks for being part of the show. You didn't see much of the footy, though, this weekend, Charlie. I'm in a completely different country, and I've seen a lot of footy, but you haven't seen much this weekend. No, I got to. Uh, I've got to just come right out and say I'm. At, I'm at low energy this week, Will. I just, I just had one of those moments watching the footy on the weekend where I'm like, ah, because the Saints played the Giants and we're coming off the back of almost beating Hawthorne, and I just saw the difference between the clubs that are going to contend and everyone else because we hung with them for three quarters, but when they put the foot down. They just found another gear, and we had no other gear. And I just, at that time, I'm like, oh, like, no, what am I going to be watching for this year? Like, it's just, the, the golf is too huge. I'm, I'm having one of those I hate football moments, because it's like, we've got our hopes up. You know, we've been playing good footy for a couple of weeks, almost beat the Premiers, and then, no, no, you're still miles away. It's such a fucking tease, and so I'm low energy. I watched that game uh, after I already knew the result. So I thought it was going to be a GWS shellacking, but mm. I watched it. In the first three quarters, that game could have gone either way. Mm. I, I Again, you're, I mean, obviously they're your team, <laughs> and it's very easy for you to get despondent about your team, but they've showed a lot that you could like, right? Yeah. I mean, that was three, that was three quarters of good footy against them. Uh, coming off the back of the, that close game against the Hawks and that big trip to Tassie and all that would take out of you. Yeah, but it's just that, it's just realising, it's kind of like why I never try anything. <laughs> Because it's like, there's someone out there who's already, why don't you learn how to cook? Because there's much better cooks out there than me. Why don't you learn how to play an instrument? Oh, because there's great guitarists out there. It's like, oh, what's the point of even trying? Like, there's teams out there that have 30 top 10 or first round draft picks. And how long, like, I watched St Kilda go through that noughties period where, you know, we had cobbled together a team from draft picks and trading in really well. But it was like, we got so close and could have won one. I mean... It seems even more insurmountable now that you've had these expansion teams come in, load up with draft picks, because they're going to be peaking around about the time that my side's going to be peaking. And I just, I mean, look, I'm just having a bad week, Will. (laughs) (laughs) No, I get it, man. Like, I understand what you're saying. Like, seeing GWS and Gold Coast coming... It does make you think. You were like, oh, but that was going to be my prime time. Yeah. That you, like, you know you're, you're about to have a growth spurt. As a kid, yeah. you're like, I've been a gawky sort of teenager, but I'm about to have a growth spurt. But everybody else in your class is about to turn into Brad Pitt. Yeah, it's like being Megadeth in a world where Metallica exists. Like, you could right. be awesome, <laughs> but you're not Metallica. You know what I mean? So, like, we could be contenders. We could be top four. But chances are right. there's a team out there who have been specifically designed by the AFL to win a flag. I mean, they're genetically right. engineered for success. And like everyone else who's around about that level now, we haven't. You know, we are, we're all the Mighty Ducks. I know we like to say it's Essendon, but we're all kind of ragtag bunch of misfits just scrabbling for the scraps. I'm very depressed. Yeah, it well. doesn't really... <laughs> It doesn't really matter if you become an Everybody Loves Raymond because there's still going to be a Seinfeld out there. Yeah, exactly. Better and bigger than you are. <laughs> but, I mean, 
But the other thing is, we already have that, Charlie. I know we're looking to the, this future where GWS are going to take over and Gold Coast are going to take over, but we already have that. We have a super team playing right now. Yeah. In the most even competition of all time, we have this super team, Hawthorne, that like we're in the midst of that now. I doubt that GWS will be able to win as many in a row as Hawthorne have. Well, fuck. I mean, they they just can't lose. Like I... I, that is, I caught the last 15 minutes of that game. I was in a noisy pub at a friend's going away party. Couldn't hear the commentary, but you could sense the momentum. Even watching on my iPhone, my tiny little screen, you could see what was happening. Like it's, they have such a mental hold over the rest of the competition now. They've won three, yeah. three games in a row by three points just through sheer fucking will. Like just, they're the Green Lantern of the AFL. I, I feel like that's the only way they get off now. You know, it, like you know, they've been they've been winning for. It's like you know yeah, how right. Michael Hutchins, you know, had to yeah, yeah. had to strangle himself to get off because he'd had sex with every beautiful woman in the world and it just didn't feel right anymore. I think that's what Hawthorne are like. Yeah. They're like, well, if we just go out and win by heaps, it just doesn't really get us hard at the end. We can't sing horses, yeah, but yeah. if we get it down to one kick, we can all go home and like you know really enjoy that Gatorade shower when we're like <laughs> yeah splashing it on other guys. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely the hanging from a door masturbating team of the AFL. That should be their next slogan. Right, Hawthorne, we need this to get off. <laughs> <laughs> We're a horny team at Hawthorne. <laughs> but I mean, they're, they're, they're amazing. Like, they're, that was one of the best games of football I've seen. Like, I mean, we are in a golden age at the moment mm. of, uh, although this round I did see the worst game of football I've also <laughs> seen in a very long time, but um, we are in a golden age of cracking games of football. I mean, yeah. we predicted last week, we hoped that this would be a great game, but I think it was a better game than anyone could have imagined. Like, you just saw two of the best, most exciting teams. Mm. Like, to have that thing of, like, Eddie at one end and Cyril at the other end and it pinging back and forward, but they weren't even the best players. Like, Puopolo, yeah. the Poppy, yeah. uh, in, in, I, lo I love that, by the way. Poppy, best on ground in Anzac round. Very, very good, very Australian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. L lest we forget. Yeah, um, it could only be topped if there was a player out there whose surname was Digger. Right. <laughs> so um, uh, Poppy, like, just killed it. And the thing I love about Poppy is he was a working class, came through the lower ranks, wasn't drafted high. Even when he came into the Hawthorne system, he was a real sort of, like, he's tiny. He was just a defensive defender, and he was just there to kind of, like, mm. play his bit for the team. And now he's a jet. <laughs> Like, he was taking hangers, he was kicking goals all over the place. Mm. Like, and by the way, I don't know how he has the energy to do that when he must be growing hair every two <laughs> seconds because he is, he is a hair, he's like Wolverine. Yeah. I don't know what, like, there's shit coming out of his body. It's insane. Yeah, he is. He's it's like, like, that's why he's not tall. Yeah. But he's actually, I mean, he's, Poppy's a player who, even as a fringe player, I kind of was aware of as an outside supporter because he has that kind of, um, He's, he has that forward pressure, that classic forward pressure that uh, uh, you, you need from a forward pocket. Like, I agree, when physically he looks like he's a back pocket, but actually what he does really right. well is all that kind of Cyril stuff. He's like the chase down, the pressure, and the fact that he's agile does not make any sense. For that body shape, you should not be able to get up as high for as long as he does. I mean, like that hanger he took on Friday night... It was awesome because, yeah, he got a little bit of a ride, but mostly he just jumped over his own head onto yeah. someone else's <laughs> shoulders. It was the best. 
It was like he jumped higher than he is. Yeah. It was like I I mean I love that game. I just thought what like it's just great to see two teams just go at it like that. It's yeah, it was it was it was a brilliant game of football. There's something in this news this week about um Eddie Betts. Someone noticed that you know how he's been getting a lot of his goals over the back, sort of running towards goal. What he's been doing at yep. the centre bounces is facing the goals with his eyes on the big screen to see where the ball's yep. going to go. And if they get it, he sprints, gets like a five-metre head start, and he's already bloody quick on his opponent. And it's like, that's amazing. Like, how come more players aren't doing that? Using the big screen to kind of anticipate where the ball's going to go. I mean, I think he could go a step further than that. I would say, what about some sort of like... That, you know, that reflective tape they have for like cars and mm. accidents and stuff like that. Instead of like, you know, the tape you'd normally tape yourself up with, put a bit of reflective <laughs> tape on your forearms so that you can get the scoreboard angle from any sort of, you know, that's what <laughs> yeah, you really yeah. need. Like, I mean, he's got great vision. Yeah. Cause yeah. he's got reflective. I mean, objects may appear larger than. Yeah. But, I'm sure down at the Bulldogs, they're saying, look at Jakey Stringer. He's always staring up at the scoreboard. He's, he's probably trying to get a head start on his opponent. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, he's just watching for a replay. <laughs> just seeing if he can see his own goal again. <laughs> yeah. So that was a pretty great game. Um, and Hawthorne just did it again. Like, yeah. I mean, they're just amazing. Yeah. And they will continue to do that. I mean, eventually they're going to have to retire. I mean, eventually, you know, Burgoyne and all those guys are at some stage going to have to move on. But... Gee, they're, they're good. Yeah, they're, all the all the kids have got coming through all seem like they can play. They've all done like long apprenticeships, so they kind of got that you know footballer body now. They can come straight in. Um, so Sydney uh, on Saturday did what they had to do, pretty emphatically against West Coast. I think last week we talked about it. I felt like Sydney were going to cream them, and you thought that maybe West Coast would put up a bit more of a fight. But I don't know. I think there's. I, I don't trust uh, West Coast away from. Western Australia. Uh, the thing about this game is, again, it was one of those ones I watched this and for three quarters could have gone either way. And then Sydney just had too much for them and kicked away. Did you like, feel like it could go either way? I sort of felt like it just, it, the, the Swans were just kind of building to that, to blowing them away, which they eventually did. I, I kind of felt like West Coast were hanging in there. I didn't feel like they were ever threatening to win. Uh, I mean, it was still, it was within a kick and a half, like mm. until pretty much eight minutes, in, eight minutes to go in the third quarter. Yeah. So, it, you know, it was close enough. But yeah, I, I think that West Coast aren't quite as good as people were thinking or hoping that they would be. They've, I mean, they've got so much talent though. Like when you go down their list individually, it might be one of those things. I remember when Hawthorne, got that list together in 2008 and they kind of snatched a flag and then they sort of went into the wilderness for a couple of years and you felt like, or maybe it was a fluke, but it could be the same with West Coast, you know, I mean, they're still relatively young, so this could be sort of like a wilderness period, but that doesn't write them off for the next four, five, six years. Well, the other thing about it is they've lost to some pretty good teams this year. Like they've won against, you know, like they've lost to a couple of teams they'll need to beat if they're going to be, you know, up and amongst it, but... Mm. You know, they, they, they could still be like top four, top six easily, I reckon, West Coast. Yeah. So. Was there anything interesting that came out of that game at all? The Sydney West Coast game? Was there? <laughs> oh, Teddy Richards. Teddy oh, yeah. Richards had a cracker. Yeah. And that, that was pretty a, fun. And then afterwards we find out he played half the game with a broken eye sock. Yeah. He's out for two weeks, but he took a hanger and he was kicking he goals. Goal I reckon, keep, mate, keep it out, Teddy, I say. Yeah. I reckon Teddy Richards should go a step further, start wearing an eye patch during the games. He's a funny player, isn't he, Teddy Richards? Like, so he was an Essendon discard, was he, or was he a trade? Or, yeah. and so a trade, I think. And so he, he's played in two flags. Did he play in two thousand five? That's a good career. 
Centre half back. He's had a position, great career. But he's one of those players that you just yeah. don't kind of, uh, you don't really think of. He's just such a kind of, every team has that. The dude who plays like 300 games, you're like, oh my God. Yeah, of course. That guy is part of the furniture. Yeah, I mean, in a room full of Buddy Franklin and Isaac Heaney, I reckon Teddy Richards probably can blend into the background. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Isaac Heaney was, he was so good in that. It was really wet in, at that game. And Isaac Heaney looks like he was playing in dry conditions. Like that kid is, I'm pretty sure he's part, part cat or something. His balance, his skill, like his agility, it's insane. And you're right, he just looks like he should play for Sydney. That hair. <laughs> I mean... It- but even his hair in the rain looked good. Yeah. I was like, oh, it looks better in the rain. Well, they're good. What was the next game? was uh, North Melbourne Gold Coast. North right? Melbourne. Yeah. So North Melbourne just kept being North Melbourne. Yeah. And kept North Melbourne in it. Yeah. And they, um, yeah, they just, I mean, they're playing us uh, this Friday night. And Top of the table they'll probably win. Hey? I know, first versus second. That's pretty amazing. We'll get, yeah, it'd be great if we had any of our halfbacks <laughs> playing. But anyway, we'll get to, we'll get to that in a little while. But yeah, North's just keep doing it, you know, like, I, I tell you what I do like about North Melbourne, and I've, I, we haven't talked about this in previous weeks, is, uh, Ben Brown's hair. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Did you see him getting interviewed before the game? No. So in the, cause in the game, he normally wears a headband, so he sort of keeps it pulled yeah, back. Yeah, that's right. But when he lets it go, he looks like Sideshow Bob. It's amazing. Like, it's this huge kind of floppy ginger afro. It's, it's, it's kind of like what, um, Matt Stone draws his hair to be like on South Park. You know, when, uh, Kyle takes off his hat, he's got that big on. That's what his hair's like. Oh, it's one of those things where I was watching him on the weekend. I was like, I love it because he's one of those people who doesn't look like he's an AFL footballer. And In I the- love an AFL footballer. In the face, he doesn't look like a footballer, but everywhere else, he looks like a footballer. <laughs> Yeah, but that's the best thing about it is it's like they've put like a hipster musician's head on a footballer's body. Yeah. And so they don't quite make sense together. It's like, I don't know if you ever saw, um, there was this TV show about this scarecrow that came to life called Wurzel Gummidge. Wurzel Gummidge, yeah, yeah. And, right? And Wurzel would have these different heads for different moods and he would go and put off, like, to me, like, every time I see Ben Brown, I'm like, oh, he's Wurzel Gummidge. Yeah. Because he's Gummidge on a new head. Yeah. He's a, he's a scarecrow. Like he's also got one of those. Um, there's a footballers, especially key position players, when they uh, are starting out, it, they do the gym work and they get that massive kind of you know body they need to play key position. But when you zoom in on their face, it's still like the face of a fucking fifteen year old. So it's kind of like right. master, it's kind of like Master Blaster and Thunderdome. <laughs> you know that big guy who fights in the cage with Mad Max and they knock the helmet off and he's got that tiny little baby's face. Right. <laughs> And that makes sense because you could have because you could have Brent Harvey sitting on Ben Brown's back and they could fight the Thunderdome, <laughs> Master and Blaster. Ah, uh, and I mean, again, isn't this the year of the small forward? You look at what Boomer Harvey is doing, but you look at what Cyril's doing, what Eddie Betts is doing. Like, I mean, every team seems to have some like gun small forward at the moment where like the forward pocket or that like high half mm. forward seemed to be a position that was going out of the game like yeah, a couple of right. years ago. And now they're kind of the your most da- dangerous players. That's funny. You're right, actually. These, that was always the talk about, you know, rating sort of, you know, Stephen Milne or Matera or Dacos is like, right. Well, you know, Stephen Milne was a specialist forward pocket and he played that role really well. But Peter Dacos was also like a midfielder who played for... Or Lee Matthews is a classic example. You know, he was a midfielder for 10 years, then went to the forward pocket and kicked like 500 goals or something. 
Right. But now being a specialist forward pocket is actually a thing. Like that forward, because there's so much of that forward pressure and um, uh, uh, the, the new rule of keeping it in totally benefits a small, quick, skillful player. Because if you put enough pressure on some shit-ass halfback flanker on the boundary line, some loping halfback flanker, and you're a quick little dude, then you're in with a shot. Uh, I mean, the amount of times now with the style of the game is being played where that over-the-back one, like, you know, you see it, and it's probably the only flaw with the way the game's being played at the moment is that sometimes you see a team, like, stream out of their halfback line and then go, ah, there's no one one down there. (laughs) I'm just going to... And then they have to do that thing where they pretend, like, no, they meant to slow down. Like, I don't know what... they have. I guess because they haven't quite got used to it yet or it's just weird and embarrassing to look up and there's no one there. That Then suddenly they do this, like, oh, no, I wasn't even really going that quickly there. (laughs) What I really wanted to do was loop around and kick it over that other side of the field. Do you remember, like, about five, maybe ten years ago when players started signalling when they were going to hold up play? Like, I think... The one I can remember is Nick Del Santo yeah. under um, Ross Lyon. He would hold the football up to say, okay, we're going to slow it down. Isn't that sort of beside the point of letting the opposition know what you intend to do with the ball? Or are you going to, like, are you trying to trick them? <laughs> like you hold the ball up and then you just play on really quickly. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that would be perfect if it was like a, if it was a Mighty Ducks movie or a Disney movie, the trick would be that you always did that to slow down. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. in the, like, the, the great moment, you're like, secret squirrel. Yeah, yeah. It actually means speed up today. Ha, yeah. we beat you. Yeah. And then you pick the one guy on your team who's the only thing he can do is kick long, but, you know, he's useless most of the season because he can't do anything else, but you use that bit of play to get him directly in front of goal 50 out. <laughs> right. Oh, it's writing right. itself, Will. <laughs> Levi Casbolt to star as the guy who can't kick. <laughs> or can only kick in one direction. Ah, uh, oh, man. All right. Uh, what else? Next game? Should we was move Bull- on to the next? Yeah, game? It was Bulldogs uh, Lions? Did you watch that one? Yeah, I didn't see any of it. I did watch this one. Yeah, was it-, it was. Um, ah, look, you know, it was one of those games where we did what we needed to do. But I mean, Stringer was great. Stringer played really well, and I mean, you know what? It was it was a fun game to watch. Like you know, they did a lot of really fun things, but we got a couple more injuries, so <laughs> we're in a lot of trouble now. With like most of our halfbacks are out. Like we've. Like, so I mean, we've got Murphy kind of... out for the entire season. Johannesson looks like it's going to be eight to ten weeks. Suckling's going to be six weeks, they reckon. And the guy who did his ACL in the reserves as well, who plays the same posse. So, and Caleb Daniel's out for a couple of weeks now as well. So we're struggling with injuries. Yeah, but you're still second on the ladder if you can actually make it through this period. I mean, so apart from Murphy, what's the longest you have to wait? Six weeks to get a healthy list? Uh, oh, no, Johannesson, what's he? Ten. Yeah, and he Probably may not 10. even, and he may not even come back this year, depending on how his rehab goes. Although I was going to say to you, I don't know if he, I've mentioned he, this. He had a, he had a, he had a run this week. He oh, had okay. a run this week already. Apparently, I reckon that he's going to be back sooner rather than later, like sooner than they expected. Nick Revolt uh, in 2010, in about round five, we were playing Collingwood, and he ran out and he popped his hamstring off the bone, similar injury to Matthew Lloyd, and everyone said, "Oh, that's." Revolt gone, but he actually was back in 12 weeks. He came back to play finals. So I think just depending on the player and stuff, they can come back sooner than expected. Yeah, but it was good. It was a, like, I mean, it was a fun game to watch, but there wasn't much much out of it apart from the injuries. What like, were, the what, thing about... What was the crowd? Was it how many... Uh, it wasn't... There was, there was plenty of empty chairs. <laughs> <laughs> 
It doesn't have the excitement of the Q Clash, Charlie. Yeah. I mean, after the heat of the Q Clash. I mean, it was hard for Brisbane to follow the Q Clash, the excitement of the Q Clash with having to just come up against us guys. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, to quote Junk Time AFL pod, question without notice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you were a Fitzroy supporter who had followed the team when they merged with Brisbane and enjoyed that period under Lee Matthews and had your three premierships, do you think now you, as someone who was originally a Fitzroy Lions supporter, now your interest would be waning? You would feel more disconnected from the club and less inclined to follow them through this bad period? Or do you think that premiership period would have you know, made the, the team beloved to you for always? Well, okay, firstly... If three premierships doesn't get you across the line, <laughs> then fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, honestly, like, I, I think that if the Bulldogs won three premierships in a row, they could come around and burn down my house. <laughs> and I'd be like, you know what? Like, fair enough. Fair enough. If this is what it took, I, I'm happy to find somewhere new to live. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. No, fuck the, I mean, I understand the Fitzroy people. I understand the Fitzroy people. I love the Fitzroy people. Yeah. Um, but if you jump back on board when the Lions were winning those premierships, then you've got to stick with them through the hard times now. Plus, let's be honest, what being a Fitzroy supporter is really about is hard times. Yeah. Like, this is the real Fitzroy. Yeah, I always wondered that, like, if St Kilda had uh, merged or f- just folded or whatever, would I have still followed football with the same passion? I don't know. It's a difficult question. I mean, we've come close a couple of times. Um, I mean, the furthest I've ever sort of fallen out with the club in terms of my interest was when I first moved to Sydney in like 2001 and we were sort of, I think we'd finished bottom of the ladder and I, I was not getting any new stories and really sort of fell out of it. And then when we started getting good again, about three years later, my interest was peaked. But I don't know. What do you reckon? If the Bulldogs ever folded, do you think you could carry on? I mean, I don't have a lot of great memories that it would destroy. So. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it might be a weight off my shoulders. <laughs> yeah, fuck. I never thought like, of that. Oh, really? Oh my god! It's I like, can pick a new team. It's like it, it's like when someone breaks up with you is actually the best thing for you. Right. It's like you don't have the guts to yeah. make it happen yourself. <laughs> right. But if, I mean, I guess if it just happened yeah. and I had to find a new team, <laughs> then I guess I could. I mean, I wouldn't start dating at the funeral, but I mean, after a while, for a while, I'd just see football. I'd just like to see good games. I'd like to see other teams. Yeah. I'd like to gauge the interest from those teams embracing me into their fold, you know? Yeah. Like, I'd like to see where in the pecking, pecking order I am for free tickets, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> You're right, though. That search for the new team would be kind of like. It'd be sexy thinking about, well, what, right. what do these clubs, what values do, th- do I think you know, are most in line with mine? Like if I looked at other clubs aside from St. Kilda, like who, who's the sexiest one? Who, who do I want to follow first? Uh, right. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, who never, have I, who have really I secretly a, imagined that I could follow? I've never really had a second team, but there's, there's teams that like rotate through. I'm like, oh yeah, they're, I'm interested in them or, or I like that player or whatever, but... I don't know who I'd yeah. go to. I remember when I was five years old, I switched to the Demons for like a week or a couple of weeks. And my family, my father, had a quite serious sit-down discussion with me where he said, look, this is a big choice you're making. And, you know, if you're going to be a Demons supporter, then you have to realize that you're in a house full of Saints supporters and that's going to be difficult. We're not going to go to Demons games. You know, you'll have to get there yourself. And I, uh, I uh, 
acquiesced and went back to the Saints, which I don't really feel like I missed out on anything. <laughs> this is no, in the early eighties. I mean, I feel it, that that feels like a zero sum end game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I had to support a new team, uh, what's what I you say here? I'd probably end. What's what you say here? I, I, I re- no, I, I think I would probably end up supporting Geelong because I would think that, like, because I always have followed Geelong closely because that Dad follows them. And, you know, I've been to a couple of Geelong Grand Finals and stuff with Dad, so I think that would be a reasonably easy team to jump on board for me, I would and, say. And you'd be switching right, so, from dogs to cats, so you're showing that you are tolerant and accepting of all... Of all things. Well, I mean, this is the thing, Charlie. And, you know, in my household, you know, we had cats first and we went to dogs. So yeah. it would just show the range I have, you know, <laughs> and it'd have a synchronicity in my life. Plus, you're already, if you're driving out to Witten Oval, you know, really, you just keep going to get to Geelong. Yeah. And, you know, I just I just have to get rid of the red on my supporters' colour. I mean, it'd be a very easy transition is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's not like I'm like, I'm going to bury for Frio <laughs> or Gold Coast Suns. I mean, maybe, you know what? Maybe Greater Western Sydney, being like, if they were the other West, because that was the option. There was talk for a while that the Bulldogs might go to Sydney and be the 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 team of the the Sydney Western suburbs as well as the yeah. Melbourne Western suburbs. Okay. Well, I guess and here's, here's the option. So because I live I live in I live in Sydney, so like for me, if, if you know if my team played every second weekend, you know, yeah. at Metricon or wherever they play, <laughs> I would go. I guess it's an easier question. It's if your team merged with another team, would you still want to follow them? Which I think is an easier kind of conundrum. If it folds and you just have to start fresh, then I think that's tougher. But yeah, I think if the Saints moved, like there was, I mean, I think we've had talk of going everywhere, like there's been an expansion club. Mm. But um, I think, yeah, I think I'd be all right with that. I mean, you, you just want some of that. I don't know how you... Like you, I don't have a lot of happy memories, but there is kind of elements, you know, and there's club legends and stuff, and how will they be recognised? And you know, you don't want to lose all that kind of stuff. But do they honour? Right. The, do they honour the Fitzroy greats at Brisbane Lions functions? Yeah, absolutely, and they've done a really good job of trying to incorporate it. As far as I know, I don't know if it was done well early, but I got the impression that through the, you know, they one of the big things they did was try to build their much like the Sydney Swans did. The real secret is having a Melbourne following as well as like a following yeah, everywhere else and that's what that's what gold coast and gws have to be able to do because you've got to be able to go to etihad or to you know one of those stadiums to play a game of footy and have five or ten thousand people come out and support you because they support your team yeah yeah um um the, uh, the, it was interesting to me about mergers is that the two teams that were going to merge in our current history melbourne and hawthorne like since that merge I mean, I've done no stats on this, but in the spirit of this podcast, would you imagine that since the point of the merger, if you me- measured the success or failure of every team in the competition, that Hawthorne would probably be the most successful team and Melbourne would probably be the least successful team? Oh, yeah, definitely. Since the merger. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. But, like, that's like the worst that's, choose your own that's, adventure that's, book of all time. That's, that's, where, <laughs> no, that's where Hawthorne started this thing of we can't lose. Like, right. That's, it's, it's, it's alter, it's fucking fringe. It's an alternate reality. <laughs> like, they spun off. They, right. in one reality, they did merge. But in this reality, they just merge into, we will never be, uh, have our backs to the wall ever again. We're going to become fucking, we're going to become legend. They became a symbol, Will. And as you know, symbols cannot be corrupted, cannot die. But what about Melbourne? What did Melbourne become? The Joker. 
Right. <laughs> Sometimes right. they just want uh, to see move on? the world burn. Yeah. Uh, it's Cats versus uh, Port Adelaide Adelaide Oval, which, holy shit, Port cannot get JD Fortune to the games fast enough. Ah, uh, mate. Um, you know what? And it's starting to fall apart, isn't it? Koshy mm. started to bag him a bit, which I didn't mind, to be honest. But, mm. like, Koshy's now the new Jeff Kennett. And, yeah. like, I mean, the the irony of their song being called Never Tear Us Apart yeah. when the club <laughs> starts to tear itself apart. Yeah. Like, I feel like they're not singing that with full gusto. They're in trouble, Port. I think they're yeah. in a fair amount of trouble. Yeah, it's... Uh... The, you can see that the journalists are circling as well. You can see a lot of these opinion pieces getting written right now. And I think Ken Hinckley's sort of been able to dodge it for a bit, but the pressure is now on him to make a statement with team selection. I mean, it happened with Trav Cloak last week. You actually brought it up on the show. You, you said something insightful, which is counter to the intention of this podcast, which is that like... We should put in the thing that occasionally we're just accidentally insightful. <laughs> But, you know, dropping Travis Cloak and bringing in Mason Cox, even though, look, the Mason Cox thing we'll get to, and it was, he didn't play like an amazing stats game, but just in terms of the enthusiasm and the kind of energy it brought to the game, you can, if you were Trav Cloak or Trav Cloak's manager, you'd be getting pretty worried now because he's probably now not even their second first choice. Does that make sense? Second first choice? You know what? He's not even their first choice for the second tall, is what I mean to say. You want, you know what never makes a party better? A cloak. Here's what makes a party better. Cox. Any party. Get some cox in, get the cloak out. That's what I say. <laughs> I actually tweeted during that game that no one would be more happy about Mason Cox's debut than hack comedians at Sportsman's Nights all around Australia. I mean, not since Dean, Dean Cox, Cox, and he's also big. Yeah. Like, they've got another big Cox. Yeah. An American big Cox, and that's the great thing about it. And also in a team that has a guy called Sidebottom. Yeah. They've got Sidebottom and Cox. And does Goldsack still play for him? A Goldsack? <laughs> no, doesn't he play at Frio or something oh, now? Or West Coast, isn't he? I remember isn't he being, over there? Is that I, him? I remember being at a grand final breakfast that um, Spider Everett was uh, at, and it was uh, before 2005, West Coast, Sydney. And they said, Spider, you know, uh -huh. uh, how do you think um, West Coast is going to go? And he's like, well, as long as Big Cox can slam it down Chick's throat again and again, I think they'll do all right. And then sort of turned right. to the audience with a bit of a, hey, hey? <laughs> and everyone was just shaking their heads and like, mate, come on. Even at a grand final break, really? that's D too obvious. Yeah. Didn't get a laugh. The other uh, big thing to come out of that Cats-Port game was the brawl. People loved it. Like, it really got people excited. Yeah. It's It's weird. I sort of, I feel in two minds about the brawl stuff. Like, of course, you know, it's fun and Russia blood and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, what is this about? Like, I don't, I just, I don't understand. If you're a team that's not in the game like Port weren't, you've got to be able to back that up. Like, if you're going to start, like, you know, right. jumper punching and stuff. Because the thing is, it's not like you're being tougher because no one is going to throw a punch or actually damage a player to the point where, you know, that guy can't take the field again. It's all just posturing. So it's like, all right, if you're going to do that, then you have to bring something else into it as well. And I just don't think Port did. I, I don't think it necessarily, um, uh, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, Geelong solidified, uh, you know, when it brings people together. What's the word? It didn't... Cemented? Oh, something. Solidify? Solidif no, I said that. It didn't... Um, anyway, it didn't motivate Geelong. I don't think Geelong... Uh, Gel, no. Gel. Mike Hal, stay out of this. <laughs> You're a robot. Okay. 
at the U- uh, Unite. Unite. Thank you. Fucking, <laughs> it shouldn't have been that hard. It didn't unite Geelong in a way like we have to show these guys, but it just made. I thought it made Port look kind of amateurish. They would. They obviously. Yeah. The, I think the, there had been a coaching directive to be physical. You know that kind of hit on um, uh, uh, Dangerfield, and it just. I just. I just find that stuff like Hawthorne. You know the the unsociable footy, but it's not even. It's not that. It doesn't look that lame. Like that just looked lame to me. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know exactly what you meant. It meant to look really tough, but it didn't come off tough at all. No. I think in that situation, you should have to do it like you know in the hockey they have to like you know <laughs> challenge each other and fight each other. I think it should be rap battle style. <laughs> so like the first person like can do one thing, but the yeah. next person has to up it, and yeah. then if somebody doesn't up it. Yeah. Then, then the fight is over at that point. So you're saying once you get served, <laughs> you, there's right. no coming back. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, you, you can return the serve, but after a rally, like you know, when somebody you know scores a point, you have to step out <laughs> <laughs> or step up, yo, yo. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, what was the next game? Well, I'm a bit lost. It was. Uh, did we got Geelong? Uh, G- uh, Greater Western Sydney oh, no. versus the yeah, Saints. Yeah, St Kilda. So, uh, yeah, I just sort of felt like, I just, that's that's why I've been depressed, is you just saw that GWS have another gear. We don't have another gear yet. Like, we can sort of match it and play, you know, we play that sort of up-tempo, high-pressure football. But Got a then, good style. Got a good game style. Yeah, but you just need, I, I, my feeling is we need a couple more A-grade midfielders. Because they just do that thing where they run in waves, they just slice through from half back, and you know we're actually not a bad clearance team. Tom Hickey's playing pretty well, and you know we've got some good inside midfielders. But it's just the way the good teams like the Sydneys and the Hawthorns, the way they can just dish it out from the centre bounce, because it's just either half back or the centre bounce. Like it just makes sense. You're halfway to the goal there. There's your best opportunity. You just could get really good at stoppages. We've drafted Nathan Freeman, who was the Collingwood's, um, I think he was a top 10 draft pick. Uh, never got right with his hammies. He's played one reserves, second, what is it, reserves second? What, when you're the, he's not the A-grade reserves, the B-grade reserves. What's that? Development team. He's played one development right. team game where he got 46 touches in three quarters, which is a good sign. Um, but he's a long, long way. Like, they don't even know. Like, we're still sort of testing him out. He, Alan Richardson said they're not going to rush him into the side. But I think we've done well with key position drafting with um, McCartan and, and Goddard's to come to the side and we went and got Carlisle. So the spines are looking okay, but we're just lacking that two, Will. I think two X, like A-grade midfielders. B-plus I'll accept. We just need two really good outside midfielders. Yeah, but this might be a good season for you guys because you'll probably win enough games. Like, your style is good. Like, the game style looks solid. Like, it matches it against the best teams for a fair while. And you'll finish low enough probably that you will get another crack at the draft in a decent way. Mm. And if you get Carlisle back next year and a couple of those, like, you know, guys develop, you know, through that, then, you know, suddenly the Saints are a pretty good football team, I reckon. And the the thing is, I know that your older stars are still playing very well, but you're not relying on them in the way that you were a couple of years ago. Like, Mm. they're still all performing at a good level, but they're not the best player on the field every week anymore, which is... Well, apart from Rue, who picked up 21 touches and kicked four goals off a wing. <laughs> He's having a bit of a Richo, uh, Richo era. 
I like him on the wing. Yeah. It, it, it makes sense because he runs all the time. Yeah. And I like him back there. I reckon it's good. Like he was good on the weekend. I mean, yeah. I thought he was, I mean, he's, he's always very good, but yeah. I, I do think there is a next generation of stars there and I like it. Did you think the skill level? What about was- GWS? Well, fucking, I mean, I was just going to say, the skill level at St Kilda was in stark contrast to the skill level at GWS. Like, those, they have so many players who can deliver by foot. And then Jeremy Cameron, just lazy fucking four weeks off, come back, kick five goals and look like he hasn't, you know, had a, a day out of the game. I mean, they have got some decent fucking footballers fucking who play for that. Right? I'm telling you, man. Like, right? They're just, and they're I mean, young. They're the all like 23 that- and they're guns. That's what I'm saying. Like, the next 10 years is 10 years of darkness. The fact that Toby Green can't get a game in their midfield is like one of the most outrageous things of all time. Like they, yeah. every time I watch Callan Ward, I just think, oh fuck, Callan Ward mm. in my, in the, you know, in the Bulldogs right now, it'd just yeah. be, I mean, he's, he's amazing. Like, yeah, no, they have yeah. a very good football and it's team. Just, There's it's no just, doubt about that. It's, the great thing about Callan Ward is, I mean, you know, we know he went to GWS on a great pay packet and stuff, but when he retires and he starts that uh, BG's revival group, like, he's going to make a fortune there. He can do cruise ships, uh, RSLs. I mean, he looks like a BG, right? He looks like Barry Gibb. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely has a Gibbish quality. <laughs> uh, yeah, they've just, got, they've just got talent everywhere. I mean, look at their fucking forward line. Like, Patton is their third tall now. And he was number one draft pick, third tall. No wonder they didn't fight too hard to keep Tom Boyd. They've got fucking like a warehouse filled with six foot five monsters who can play. I was in, I was reading an interesting article about their drafting strategy as opposed to the Gold Coast drafting strategy when they started the clubs because I think I think you could argue now that GWS are probably slightly ahead of where the Gold Coast are at and the Gold Coast have an extra year in the competition mm. and th- their theory was that Gold Coast drafted a bit better for the short term but GWS did this thing of just going, we're just going to get all the best young players and then two or three years in, we're going to draft these top round draft pick people. Like we're going to yeah, trade yeah. them to other teams and get their top 10 draft picks again. So that what we're basically doing is, yes, we've got all these gun players, but we've also got the t- top 10 draft picks from the next draft and the next draft and oh the next God. draft. And so it meant that early, early, early on, they were terrible because they were all kids or cheap, like kind of mm. older players. But now, I mean, most of their good yeah. players are young guns that have developed in GWS themselves. Like, yeah, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's, they're basically stockpiling draft picks. Uh, Ross Lyon, when he was getting interviewed last week by David King, was pretty snide about it when, you know, they, he was asked why the form dropped off. And he's gone, because we've had five first-round draft picks in the last five years. GWS have had... 30 you know it's fucking true man like and these players like you know the the kind of youth academies and the and the um underage competitions and stuff are so professional now that these kids they can come in at 18 19 and have an impact you know like it's just i foresee dark times for victorian clubs when um i don't know about gold coast but i just feel like gws i can't imagine how they'll be bad just look at their team. I mean, they've all got potential, but that's the, that's the scary part is they're playing really well now. Uh, that was, that's what excites me about the Bulldogs is they've done a really great job drafting young players with higher draft picks because in the past we would have got those... Because like, we were like you guys, shit at the absolute worst time. 
because we were shit at the time where we would have got those draft picks, but instead they went to these expansion yeah. clubs and they got preference. They yeah. would have been the players who were playing at our teams. You know, Jeremy Cameron might have been at the Saints and, mm. you know, Toby Green might have been at the Bulldogs or whoever, mm. you know, the examples are. Like, you know, it, Tom Lynch or Aaron Hall or these sort of people yeah. might have been playing for our clubs. I mean, but that's, and that's the thing, like, why you feel like a pauper at the feast because, you know, St Kilda's strategy over the past three or four years has been to stockpile at least two first-round draft picks over the last three years. Two. So we've had six first-round draft picks in the last three years compared to GWS. So even statistically, you know, the likelihood of them getting, you know, a bunch of 150-plus players compared to us is it's it's almost like fucking playing that slotter. You know what I mean? I just – I know I'm very jaded this episode – uh, you're getting a lot of the self-loathing St Kilda supporter, but I just, uh, it just was held up in such stark contrast on the weekend, just seeing them play side by side. I agree with everything you said, by the way, and we do have potential and who knows, but it's just, we have to work harder. You know what I mean? It's more of a hill to climb for us. Well, you know what it's like. You're like a kid who had a job right through high school and you've finally been able to buy yourself a car and then you've worked on it every weekend to kind of get it to the point where you're like, yeah, I could race this car. And then you get to the race and daddy bought all these 16-year-old kids a fucking brand new Porsche. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's exactly what it's like. Uh, So the probably the biggest story... It also comes from the worst game of the round, which is uh, Carlton v yeah. Frio. Frio are now five and zip, and uh, Nat Fife has a broken leg, and Michael Johnson's out, and uh, what the fuck? Aaron Sanderlands is out. Like They finished on top of the ladder last year, on top of the ladder, which I didn't know, but now I'm acting surprised about that they're finishing on the bottom. <laughs> Uh, I like to refer to them as being Fife and Zero, but um, they, yeah, they are in a lot of trouble. Like, they've got, like, Fife's out for the season. They might as well just, Ross Lyon basically said, and why would they rush him back? He's broken the same leg twice, and he's the best player in the game, and there's no point in coming back. It's not like going to be the run for the finals. Let his leg heal get that going. They've lost their second best player, Sanderlands, because he had to have his entire rib cage reconstructed. They said that the injury he had was normally only seen in car crash victims or like machinery trauma, those sort of things, workplace accidents, right? So they basically had to put a like a plate inside his chest to rebuild it and they removed one of his ribs. Oh my God. That'd be like operating, yeah, but luckily, operating on a dinosaur. Like he's fucking ribcage. Like when you see the T Rex exhibition at the museum. Fred Flintstone came in and <laughs> ate it. <laughs> Maybe when Aaron Sandlands retires, they're just going to put him in a museum, like hung from the ceiling by steel cables. <laughs> right, just the just, just the, his the... skeleton. <laughs> and they you say can see years one ago, <laughs> he used to roam the land. This one missing rib was used by the Lord our God to make the captain of the Fremantle Dockers women's team. <laughs> yeah, they're, um, this is a big challenge for Ross. He's been keeping uh, up a, a brave face, I reckon, for the first five weeks. But he's now in a position he's never found himself in before, which is bottom of the ladder team that needs a rebuild. And... What do you do? He's just signed up for five years. Like, if you're the Dockers admin, you're like, shit, we got a guy in as a premiership coach 
But what we need is more of an Allergen Richardson type or Mark Williams. Like a, we need a development coach now, really. So who knows? He might be good. Okay. Here, yeah, here's what I would say. Um, I reckon best case scenario for Frio would have been them being a really good team that like competed for the grand final, right? Mm-hmm. I I reckon the second best option is what is happening right now. I know that might seem like a weird thing to say, yeah. but he's just signed on for five years. So they knew for five years they weren't going to be a team that was going for the premiership, right? Yeah. So they obviously in that contract thought he's a guy who can also rebuild this team as well as like having it up at this end. Mm. And now you've got a fresh start. You kept your best players out with a, like a leg injury for the entire year. Your second best players out. It's a write off of a year. Your so Ruckman's it's as good as any place to start somewhere. Uh. Right. <laughs> your, your Ruckman is educating children and, <laughs> and Nat Fife, I believe, will just be full time fucking, I guess, right? Yeah. Or flying helicopters down to his fucking 78 properties he owns in Western Australia. Yeah. I mean, time, um, some time for property development, you know, I'm, in the off-season. I am interested to see what a Ross Lyon-developed team looks like. Like, how does he recruit? What kind of players? Because traditionally, Ross is very much uh, give me five stars and a, then a bunch of just GOPs and I'll, I'll give you a team. But, you know, he's going to be having to go to the trade table not to top up. He's going to have to be looking for guys that have leadership potential. I'd be interested. I think, I mean, Ross is smart and he's been around footy clubs for a long time. Like, I don't think, there's a lot of people saying, oh, he can't do it. He just, you know, he just takes contending teams and pushes them as hard as he can. He's a smart guy. I'm just interested to see what kind of players he brings, young players he brings in, in his mould because he's such a fucking uncompromising individual. Well, you know, the other thing about Ross Lyon, we we just haven't had it, seen him have to do this. Mm. Maybe he's as good at doing this as he was as doing the other thing. He just thought that was the best method to do the other thing, but mm. he'll have a really good method to do it this way. Like, mm. maybe it'll be a great challenge for him. I mean, he's got a great record. Like, he's been a kick away from being a premiership coach. He has the greatest winning record in the AFL. Like, why wouldn't you think that he could do it? Also, imagine this, right? Pavlich retires yeah. at the end of the year, so you free up a lot of money on your... Like, you got some money there for Pav. Um You've got um, old mate, diehard villain uh, from uh, GWS, McCarthy. who's going to play for Cam McCarthy. So that, McCarthy will play for the Knicks. Uh, man, that's going to happen. Okay. There is no doubt in my mind that that's going to happen, right? So, I mean, he's training with South Perth or whoever they are, who are their feeder club, you know. So, And they've got that agreement. And GWS will want to get something for him. So they'll trade so that he, they can have Cam McCarthy. He's a gun. Yeah. Like, if you saw him play... We saw him play a few times last year. He's yeah. a... Like, so you put him in the forward line, right? Typical West... When he's not chasing Bruce Willis around uh, a building, he's an right. awesome footballer. I mean, he's a diehard villain and he's a perfect Perth footballer. He looks like a Perth footballer. He's going to eat up playing football in Perth. It's going to be brilliant, right? Yeah. Um, then they might finish bottom on the fucking ladder this year. You get yeah. the number one draft choice, right? So... Maybe you want another forward. Maybe you want a gun midfielder to help out the guys in there, whatever. So they get a number one, get a West Australian, so they stay. Mm. And then Hogan hasn't still signed his contract. And the year after this, you've got Hogan back in the market. If you had a forward line that had Hogan, McCarthy, a couple of young guns and Nat Fife still playing brilliant football and, you know, a bunch of their young... I mean, you know, in in three years... 
you could expect Fremantle to be a really good football club again if they, you know, you don't have to burn yeah. the whole place down. I think the, the that's the challenge, though, is you, you said get a Western Australian because that, you know, we've talked about the go-home factor why if you're a Victorian or definitely Queensland club why you don't draft Western Australians. But it works in reverse, too, where it's hard to get Victorians over to WA. So if they do free up some market and they want to go to the trade table or something like that or free agency, I guess it's, apart from Jesse Hogan, are there... Are there any other Western Australians who would be like key position or guns who are coming out of contract soon? Well, they've had trouble getting people over there. So I reckon it has to be a West Australian who wants Mm. to go home. But yeah, but I reckon Hogan, Hogan, that's what, I mean, you know, Hogan, Hogan. that's what they want. want Yeah. But at the moment, if you're Jesse Hogan, like yeah. Melbourne's probably not the worst place in the world to be. So I, I think know. I think the most interesting. relieved guy after that game was Levi Casbolt because for once the greatest laughs on the field weren't provided by him, but by there's at least half a dozen things happened in that game which were like, wow, this is one of those, this is one of those games where the crowd doesn't cheer. It's more of a kind of Oh, <laughs> when they see a player like yeah, Daisy, Daisy like, kicking that goal that just dribbles across the line because no one's standing on the goal line. Or Tadna fucking trying to mark a ball that's clearly throwing through the goals and fumbling it across the line. Just a lot of disappointment. Mate, oh. the, f- the fact that Liam Jones kicked the winning goal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Like the com- the commentators even said that. Like I felt really bad for Liam Jones because oh. when he had the ball in his hands, they were like, "Never in a million years would you think that this guy, like, not even Liam Jones thought it, he would be in this position ever in his life." But uh, you know what the worst thing about that? You know what the worst thing about that is for Liam Jones is <laughs> it's the best thing that he's ever done in his football career, and he can't watch back the highlights because all they're doing is hanging shit on how shitty Dobley is. <laughs> Yeah, it uh it was a real kind of downer like I mean, if that if you're a Freo supporter and that doesn't put you in the mood for a rebuild, I don't know what does. Right. Like how much worse can things get? I mean, good, I mean great for Carlton, good on Carlton, but I uh, I know you said that the Casbold effect wasn't in full effect, but it was because I reckon a Levi has been listening to the podcast. <laughs> And Levi wants the ball in Levi's hands because did you see that opportunity where he should have just given the ball off to somebody who can actually oh, kick? Yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. like, nah. No, nah, I'm going to set shot. Levi's in charge. Yeah. Levi's got this. <laughs> Guess what? Spoilers. Levi didn't got that. <laughs> um, should we uh, move on to oh, the, the, tiger, the Tigers game? Melbourne. Oh, okay, so... Um, Hold, fucking yeah. stop the press. Melbourne have done it. Oh, God, I don't know, Michael. Can you lay in some kind of, like, celebration sound effect or something? Melbourne have done two in a row. Two in a row. Two in a row. <laughs> two, I mean, good on you, Melbourne. Melbourne are kicking 20 goals most weeks. If you kick 20 goals most weeks, you're going to win a lot of games of football. Yeah. They're, they're not bad, Melbourne. And I, I like watching them. And I'm really enjoying, this is what the Jack Swat, Jack Watts story needed for me. Yeah, definitely. Like, this is, I, 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 it's been amazing to me how much it's warmed my heart. Yeah. That this, I, I realized that what I did, I didn't want Jack Watts Schadenfreude. 
I'm sick of that. We've had our fun with Jack Watts. Yeah, yeah. I like that Jack Watts is now playing well in a good team. Yeah. And when Alex Rance mashed Jack Watts's face into the ground, I was like, fuck you, Alex Rance. <laughs> That's Jack Watts. <laughs> Don't touch him. Do not touch Don't him. Don't touch him. Like, there would have been a year ago, I would have been like, mash him harder, Alex. <laughs> but now, <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm uh, on board. I, I, I uh, hate that every team has a scapegoat like i know when they go to the saints message boards and stuff like it's uh, a rotating roster there's just those players like raf clark was a classic example of like just people love to rag on him and i get this very defensive thing i don't know if it's a flashback to high school but i used to always hate seeing people get picked on at high school and stuff i was, I was like oh come on like right. you know can't everyone just can't we all just fucking leave leave each other be he plays his role and he occasionally makes mistakes but it feels like every team has to have that scapegoat Jack Watts was the scapegoat of the fucking competition. It wasn't just Melbourne supporters. Right. It was like everyone, they so enjoyed watching him struggle through his first like four or five years. And it's like, I watch him now and I just see a guy who looks like he's enjoying playing football. He loves having a shot at goal. Right. He loves celebrating a goal. You didn't see that for the first four or five years. And it wasn't, it wasn't fun. Well, you know, the other thing that people don't talk about is he's a really great shot at goal like I mean I know the fuss is all about Hogan because you know when you see Hogan move around the field and you see him take those marks and stuff you can't help but be excited but genuinely what they really need is someone who's a combination of what Jesse Hogan brings and what Jack Watts brings and yeah. maybe that's Jesse Hogan and Jack Watts playing together because like Watts is such a beautiful kick for goal he's got a really classical style like I'm really loving the way he's competing I, I mean I'm into it I'm into the I, I'm on board I'm on, I'm on board the Jack Watts story. Yeah. I watched the, uh, I watched, I think the second and the third quarter by that stage. It didn't really, Richmond kind of, they sort of threatened, but I just sort of, uh, you just get the sense that things aren't right at Tigerland. You know what I mean? It's, it's either there's no buy-in or maybe the press has got to them, but they seem disjointed, you know? It's a shame. I really like Jack Revolt. I actually think it's a real shame that, Richmond's decline seems to be corresponding with Jack Revolt's ascendancy to a genuine leader. Like he's not the petulant. Right, I agree. He's not the petulant forward he, he once was. Like he's a he's a seen, leads by example, plays with passion. He's everything you'd want. But the team seems to be on the opposite kind of uh, direction that he is travelling in personally. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. I reckon Jack's been really impressive this year. And Rance has been really impressive this year. But I heard somebody say something about their back line, which was really interesting. They have the best defender and the worst defense. Huh. And I think there is something in that because I think the way that like football is played at the moment is that it's more about the system and whether you can work in the system. And I'm not saying it's Rance's fault. He's clearly like, I mean, without him, they would be completely fucked. But in some ways, maybe because they have such a dominant defender, then maybe the, you know, they haven't concentrated as much on the, system as they have needed to because they've got this like guy mm. back there I, I mean i've i just feel like they're slower than they should be i feel like they're older and you know whatever than they should be but the other thing yeah. that we need to put on the thing that we need to put on the record though here charlie mm. is this is what richmond do yeah so like are we waiting for a, a back-end charge then like is it likely that they'll win fucking nine in a row or something like that it hasn't been since 2004 or something that they have gone through six rounds better than 50%. Really? Yeah. Wow. This is how they start. This is how they always start. Now, at some stage, 
they won't be able to chase the rest of it down. But this is what Richmond do. So to say that Richmond are completely... I mean, if you watch them play at the moment, you'd just be like, well, shut it down. Mm. Like, I don't know where you guys are going. Like, I don't think you have the players and I don't think you have the system and I don't think you have the speed and all those sort of things. But that's what Richmond are like sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. I just just don't get that sense of... They're a bit like Port Adelaide for me. Like, I think Port Adelaide are in, in more trouble because they have more stars. But Richmond, it's just, it's like a, you don't know where the leadership's going to come from. Like, the fact that Rance did what he did, I mean, he's a leader of that club. You know, he's their best and fairest, or was their best and fairest. And that was just stupid. Like, that's that's what a, a kid does on the footy field. And if that's what your your leaders are doing, then I don't know. I want the Tigers to be good. I love, I love it when the Tigers are playing well and that red, you know, the red and yellow army are fucking going. But it's just red and yellow, sorry, black and yellow. <laughs> I don't know the red and yellow army. Are. I was gonna, I was gonna correct you, but I, I here's, okay. Here's a theory that hasn't been put forward, but I'm just gonna raise it because you know we have our own podcast now and we might as well. Yeah. Um. Okay. I reckon the most interesting thing about this season is. All the good teams are playing a similar style of football. You can literally see it, right? Mm. And But there seems to be some teams, and some teams that as soon as a year ago were not bad teams, that suddenly have felt really exposed by that style of football. Would you agree? Yeah. Right. Are we not factoring in the fact that the AFL changed three pretty major rules at the end of last season. The interchange rule, the out-of-bounds rule that keeps it going more continually and the 10-metre the sort of arc yeah, rule. Yeah. Is there a chance that those teams like Frio and Richmond and you know, the teams that are suddenly really struggling with this new style of football have just been teams that whose style and setup and whatever have been adversely affected by the rule changes? Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I think definitely the deliberate rule... Uh, favors kind of good pressure teams, and especially, and you're saying that Richmond looks slow, and I think that's a that's what I've, a lot of it is based on is they don't have that running game that you know the high pressure teams do. And if it and if it's running all the time, and if the game is continual in the way it is at the moment, then I think those sort of teams, mm. you know, you can get really exposed on that like on that turnover. So. Yeah. It's a good point, actually. You know, it's not their fault. I mean, I they think just that- need to lobby to get the rules changed back. Yeah, who's their small for? Who's their small forward? Like, who's their Eddie Betts? They don't really have one, do they? Is oh well, I guess Taylor. Chris, no, I guess Chris, was was Yaron going to play that role, or was or, he going to play off halfback? Or do you think Rioli? But they don't really have that high pressure, uh, high pressure high forward. No, yeah, it's interesting. Well, I mean, who another do they bit have? of insight? Will <laughs> what podcast are you on? Well, maybe who knows? But well, here's the other thing I would say about that is. We still don't know because these rules are brand new and we have no test case. This may be what happens in the first half of the season under these rules. Mm. But maybe the cumulative effect of the interchanges or you know, injuries or whatever with these new rules will mean that in the second half of the season, teams like Freo and Richmond or whatever who play a bit more set up, shut down these styles of game, maybe the pack will come back to that. Because we don't actually know that football for 22 rounds this year is going to be this high speed, everyone's kicking over 100 points thing. I mean, it's probably unreasonable to think that you could play that well every... So who fucking knows? Maybe midway through the season, teams like Freo and Richmond and stuff, their style will may become a bit more into fashion. Yeah, that's interesting. We should keep an eye on that. What's the hashtag for that one? Hashtag rule hashtag change. Will's stupid theory. Game moving <laughs> too quick. 
Charlie Hashtag can't have more than 147 characters. <laughs> Uh, the final game of the round was the Anzac Day clash uh, between Essendon and, and Collingwood. I mean, no one likes yeah. to see Collingwood win big, especially on Anzac Day. It's not what the diggers died for. <laughs> I think what we saw was what everyone thought we were going to see more of with the Bombers. Like, it just, yeah. they, they, they played like the team that we all thought they were. Right. Just happens to be at Collingwood. Yeah, the story. Collingwood. Well, the story of the day to me was that Mason Cox story because I think that's something everyone can enjoy. Because yep. for this guy, are you, so are you had saying not heard it, everyone can enjoy Cox? Everyone can enjoy Cox. I think it's something that everyone can get around. Yeah, that everyone can applaud. It's a yeah, uh, it's the yeah. it's, it's the feel good story, Cox. I mean, it had a happy ending, <laughs> and I think that's what's important. When it comes yeah. to Cox. Yeah. I he mean, he faced tall and firm in the forward line. Yeah. I mean, he provided stiff competition. Uh, right. And even, even when he wasn't at the front of the pack, he came hard from behind <laughs> and that's what's important. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do your own at uh, home. <laughs> no, but I mean, his story for an American, like a guy yeah. who had not heard of the game, knew nothing about the game, who went to this, um, combine that they run mm. for athletes as he told the story which I loved because it was a free trip to LA and he thought well I might as well take the free trip That's amazing. and he's ended up in a completely different country playing in front of 85,000 people on our nation's most sacred day making his debut on the MCG for the most famous football club in Australia in a game he hadn't heard of three or four years ago and he takes a mark and kicks the first fucking goal on that mm. game. I mean, that's that's just a great fucking story. But what does it say about our game? <laughs> Are we not as good as as we thought we were? If a guy can come in, never played it two years ago, and can play in front of 80,000 people, does it mean it's an easy game to learn? No, we've just worked out what um, uh, what it's like to be England because basically we, we've inve- we've invented something that if other people try, they'll be better at us. At that, yeah, we won't be as good at. So yeah, no, it's. I mean, he's a super athlete. This guy's like just a super super athlete, and I think it's easier for big guys because you can train them. But he looks. I mean, I don't think he's going to be the best player in the AFL or anything like that. But no, I mean, I loved his family. His family all flew over from America and they've all got into the game and stuff. And mm. I mean, I just, it's, 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 I think it's really great for the game. I thought that was a really great story. It's a great little, um, yeah, you know, uh, vice.com. They do a, they have like a sports, um, section and they did this video about these, uh, four, um, American players who are actually playing in bush leagues in Australia right now. Like, I, I guess it's a couple of years ago. Um, I don't know if it, was before or after Mason Cox's time, but it's just following this uh, player manager, this guy who lives in Los Angeles, and he just started seeing all these like athletes over there that he thought would be great, you know, just on an uh, athletic point of view to be playing AFL. So he, uh, you know, flew them out to Australia. They had meetings, and there's a few of these players that are like it's hilarious because they're you know coming from big cities in the US and they're literally playing in the bush league. Like they're all got a share house, you know, some place it's like six hours from Sydney. And they're having to go play, like kick the dew off the grass and stuff. And it's really, it's just like a little 10 minute documentary. I'm not sure what it's called, but you should check it out. Cause it's just, it's really interesting to get that perspective, especially when you, like American culture and American sporting culture is so common to us. Like most Australians who maybe don't know the rules of baseball 
or, you know, the NFL or whatever, because we've seen so many movies and TV shows and stuff that are about that, it's interesting to sort of reverse it. Like, you know, because we know what the minor leagues look like from watching American films, but then to see an Australian film that take, puts an American in, that American's perspective in uh, the low levels of Australia, it's really interesting. Ah, oh, and I mean, the thing is, particularly basketballers, those sort of bodies, like they have perfect bodies to play AFL football, like, you know, athletes who are interested in that. And there's only so many spots in the NBA or like, you know, the minor leagues there. If you could come out to Australia, live in this like beautiful country and play this like brilliant sport, because the thing we know about Aussie rules football is like, if you're an athlete, if you're a gifted athlete and you like playing a competitive ball sport, Australian rules football has everything. No. You get to do skillful things. It's for people of all sizes. Like it's a constantly evolving game. Why wouldn't you? No. I mean, you can come out and you can make minimum $160,000 a year or whatever it is. Like, I yeah. mean, why not? Yeah. I think it's great. I think the more, we, I mean, I don't, I don't envision a world in which we have teams all over the world. We play international games or anything, but I just think as a brand, you know, it's good. You're going to have that Jim Stein story happen again, but it's going to happen in a country like America where, you know, the media, it'll catch fire, you know, and it'll bring a lot of attention to the game, which I think can only be a good thing. Um, I need to go soon. So we'll do a quick preview yep. of, uh, round six. Yeah, quick preview. So the first game is a top of the table clash with the mighty dogs. Taking on the Kangas. Now, uh, you sort of hinted that you feel like you'd, maybe your backline isn't that strong. Uh, this, well, I mean, here's what I would say. I reckon North Melbourne's forward line is incredibly strong. Uh, really tall, really strong. And we're missing three of our best, like, you know, backline players. This will be a tough game for us. If we, if we won this one, I'd be very happy about how we're going this season. I'd be, I reckon this is, but this is one, if we drop by a couple of goals, I'd still be probably like, oh yeah, that's okay. North yeah. Melbourne are flying and we're, you know, we're going okay at the moment. Like, um, yeah, it'd be a good game though, Friday night. I hope heaps of people go. That's the one thing I would say is that this is basically for any, uh, Bulldogs or North fans. I know, I think it's a North home game, but if you're a Bulldogs fan as well, get out to this game because, there is no doubt in my mind that the AFL will be deciding whether the Bulldogs and North Melbourne get good Friday next year based at least partly on the crowd that goes to this game. This is Friday night football. These are the two teams they've got in mind for good Friday football. I reckon they need to get 40,000, 45,000 people there to just reassure the, the AFL that that's, this is the game they should... I mean, go and see it. If you love either of these football teams or if you're just a casual footy observer, this is a, a, this will be a good game of footy. I think it should be a good game because they play a different style of football as well. Um, next yeah. game is uh, the Demons taking on the Saints, the most biblical. This is the game that should be played on Good Friday. I mean, literally, it's heaven versus right. hell. Um, who knows? I'm so, I'm they so, should rebrand re it for Good Friday. I would actually support Melbourne St Kilda Good Friday if it was heaven versus hell. <laughs> and then every year, and then every year we had to live in the world, whichever won. <laughs> so we'd either lead a, a good life the next year, or we could just get as fucked up as we wanted, depending on the result. Uh, yeah. Well, I think uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still in my funk. What I'm, do you think? I, I can't gauge it. I think it's a kind of game where. We could, uh, we could win, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like Melbourne's got some momentum now. We are a team that they should beat if they want to be serious about like having the credentials. Yeah. Um, but who knows? I think it's, it, I said this about GWS. I thought that it would be a close game and, you know, we could win. I feel the same way about this one, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to, not going to make any predictions. I'm just going to, I'm just going to come back next week and hopefully not be as depressed. Look, I, I, here's what I would say about this one. 
if Melbourne keep playing how they're playing, they could figure in the mix in the finals, I reckon. Like okay. somewhere between 6th and 10th, I reckon. But we're in uncharted territory for Melbourne. Mm. I mean, three in a row? I mean, this is... You're talking I mean, you crazy. Know what, three in a That's just slow down, all right? Two, that makes sense. But well, three... You, you know what three? You know what three in a row technically is, Charlie. It's two in a row, two weeks in a row, <laughs> and I just don't know. If, I don't know if Melbourne can handle the heat that comes with that. St Kilda are a good team. I mean, Melbourne should win this, but I, I could easily see the Saints winning it. I reckon Melbourne by a tiny little bit. I just want to say about Melbourne versus St Kilda that Jack Viney is. I mean, he is. Again. He's going to be a better player than his father, which is. Like, his dad was a really good player, but he is going to be a better player than his dad. Robbo picked him for the Brownlow. I mean, I love that bit where he came in on the fight mm. and just came in and, like, you know, was, like, first there to just be like... And he kind of... The thing about him is he's so fucking tough, but he looks a little pretty. He's got a bit of that Jew Bolton thing yeah, where, yeah. like, you know, they look so pretty, but they're so fucking hard. <laughs> All right, Adelaide versus Freo is next game. And, uh, well, Adelaide, it's at the Adelaide Oval. Adelaide Ooh. should win this by a heap. A long, a long way. I mean, it yeah. should be, it, sh- it should be nasty. It should be really embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, GWS taking on Hawthorne at Spotless. Uh, Interesting game. Yeah. I, uh, this will be a good one. Hawthorne maybe got out of jail a couple of times, maybe three times in a row. GWS, I mean, knowing what those players are like, they'll be very, very hungry to beat these guys. They're, they've got a strut about them already. Nothing right. gives them a bigger strut than, than, beating, um, than beating the reigning premiers. And I think that that style that they play is the style that exposes Hawthorne. Yes. Like that really still, that really fast running, like what GWS played in the last quarter against you guys is the exact style that does expose Hawthorne on the rare occasions they get exposed. But the other thing that I just, I just can't, I'm, until they prove otherwise, Charlie, I'm just going to back Hawthorne. Okay. I think that's the, I think that makes sense. I feel like GWS though, taking the momentum of, of beating us last week and Jeremy Cameron coming back, I think that GWS could run all over them. I think Hawthorne have been operating at a level this high and I don't know yeah. how long you can maintain that for. So I'm going to pick uh, the Giants. Yeah, I agree with that, but I reckon Hawthorne will win. But I do think, like, if GWS do win, that would be a great statement for the competition. Uh, Richmond take on Port at the MCG, which could be the most depressing game oh, of the round, really. Wow. A lot of, it should be just, like, wow. 36 players out in the field just soul-searching. Like, they shouldn't even just bring a ball to it. Just I just want to see two hours of deep contemplation about where you guys are at as teams. Do you ever see that movie Dinner for Idiots? Yes. And the pre- the premise was that there was a dinner party, but somebody had invited an idiot along, and they were all judging who had the best idiot. Yeah. I reckon. I reckon this game is dinner for idiots. Everybody's just looking around, going, oh, "God, are we here?" Uh, I mean, this is. I mean, I don't even know who to pick in this game. They're both terrible at the moment, and I don't know who is closer to being better again out of both. You know, oh, here's what I would say. Guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> Delidio's back. <laughs> and now Richmond can win. <laughs> like, Delidio's back. So yeah. maybe Richmond, I, I'm going to say, that's enough for me. Delidio's back, Richmond will win. Richmond at the G, if they get a big crowd there. And here's what I'll say. If Port go in with the same, a pretty much unchanged team, 
they'll lose. But if they make a statement and drop like a like an Ebert or, or like one of their gun players, I reckon that might give them a kick up the ass that they could get over the Tigers. But who knows? I'll say Richmond. Uh, next game is Geelong versus the Suns at uh, Skilled Stadium. That's an interesting game. Always interesting to see Ablett play in front of uh, Geelong because they, they don't boo him. Like they, they're pretty appreciative of the two flags he won and his dad and everything. Right. So. It's kind of polite applause, maybe polite booing. Can you? Well, well, the other thing is, they moved on without him as well. Yeah, yeah. that's the trick to why their relationship works. Basically, it's like a divorce, right? Mm. And he left, but as soon as he left, they hooked up with this other person who actually was as good, if not better, than he was. And so now they can be cool. Now they can be cool to each other with at parties. You know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah, we've all. We've all moved on. We understand. We're in a different point of our lives. And we're friendly for the kids and the history, you know? Uh, I, I mean, it's hard to tip against Geelong at Skilled State. Hard to pick. I don't know. This is a good, a good test for Rodney Ede, I reckon. If, if he can get these guys across the line, then that should give him confidence going into the finals and playing away from home. And they've had a pretty soft run, uh, Gold Coast. They haven't really, you know, come up against like some really good teams. Geelong, I don't know where they are in my mind yet on the ladder, but, I think that if they can beat Geelong, then that, 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 that'll show that they're progressing as well. Uh, the next game up at the Gabba is uh, the Brisbane Lions taking on the Swans. Uh, you just can't tip Brisbane, really, can you? Can't tip against Sydney, Not against really. the Swans. No. No. The Swans no. will win that. Uh, Carlton take on the Bombers at the MCG. Carlton will be fucking strutting after their, like, bizarre win <laughs> on the weekend. But, hey, wins a win. And uh, Essendon, you imagine? I mean, I was going to say Carlton won and Essendon got thrashed and I still can't tell you who will win this game. I think uh, I think it has to be Carlton, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I, uh, that'll be interesting to watch, I think, to watch that game. And for the same reason, watching Richmond versus Port will be an interesting game, just to see where are you guys at? Who's going to be worse right. out of you two? Uh, and the final game uh, is West Coast taking on Collingwood at... Um, uh, penis Arena. It's interesting. Collingwood will be feeling pretty good about themselves. There's a bit of momentum. They have good presence over in Western Australia, but the Eagles have to fucking smash them, don't they? Because this is everyone's forgotten. Yeah. Like, Collingwood won, and it was a big story just because of the, the nature of the day and stuff. But they beat Essendon, yeah. and they've still only won right. another game for the year. So if the Eagles are serious, then I reckon it's got to be what at least six goals. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think this is one of those opportunities where West Coast. I mean, I think this is what West Coast are great at. They're great flat track bullies, downhill skiers, whatever you want to say. I think West Coast will be all over this. I think this will be. I mean, Collingwood look better now that Side Bottom's back. I mean, he does make a big difference, and they look much better now that Pendlebury's fit enough to be playing in the midfield where he's meant to be playing, yeah. and that does make a bit of a difference. But not against West Coast. Not over there. No way. No way. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon West Coast by a lot. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, that's all the games. So, that's it. Um, do you have anything right, to plug good. or no Americans? Uh, this, I'm in so. per- <laughs> I mean, uh, because we said all those nice things about West Coast and, uh, Frio, I'm in Perth <laughs> next week. So, uh, uh, May 3, 4, and 5, or whatever Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday is next week. I am in Perth doing shows. Tickets still available. 
Uh, I don't have anything to promote, but what I will say is that Tofop, um, who is the uh, brand under which Two Guys One Cup operates, we have another podcast called Tofop. Uh, if you like this, um, if you like this, but not about football, you might like our other podcast. You should check it out. But we now have a YouTube channel, uh, Tofop TV, where you can go and we'll be uploading each week uh, a clips from not only this show but other podcasts we do. Um, we're still sort of coming to terms with the fact that it's uh, 2016 and it's taken us this long to get a YouTube channel. Um, but right. we want to we want to provide some uh, uh, more content for you guys out there. So we'll keep you updated. Uh, go to our Facebook page, our, our TOFUP on Facebook, and um, that'll keep you up to date with everything that we're releasing. All right, sounds good. Uh, how, how do we finish this again? You, Have you, we decided on how we finish it you yet? Just, you just say your name. Oh, okay, I'm Will Anderson. Oh, sorry, I don't sound so happy about it. I'm Charlie Clawson. 